you know my my wish for like uh, my classmates and and people listening to this podcast is you know go into these industries that have the potential to like change the world and and uh, really use your mba skill sets there and i know that's a selfish pitch but uh that's definitely a georgetown pitch um because we're so focused on impact and and service i think like at that moment i knew i was like completely independent and like all the life choices that you make and you learn a lot and keep learning about myself and about like so much about the people different backgrounds uh cultural backgrounds it, it was amazing that experience Hi all, welcome to season 1, episode 2 of McDonough Talks. I'm your host Mike Silverman, and we will now dive into a round table where I'm joined by some esteemed colleagues. I have my co-host Sam Speed. He will be a regular with us in this segment and on this program. So Sam, say hello. Yes, thank you Mike. So pleased to be here. So excited to kick off this season. This is the first ever round table segment. I know, and we're settled on MSB Talks. Yes, yes we have. Uh McDonald Talks is a owed my predecessor who we will be speaking with shortly. Fantastic. Please be here. Sam, so as everyone can tell by your accent, you are British, are you not? I certainly am. I got to ask you about the crown. I just started watching and I know a lot of people love it and have you watched it and what are your thoughts on the royal family and I don't get it. It's like <laughs> outside of my scope i guess being a dumb american but yeah like how do brits view that show and i'm only like five episodes in so i'm not even at the tip of the iceberg i don't think kicking off with some you know just some easy you know just kind of normal lowbrow <laughs> topics but yeah so yeah no i i i have watched the crown once through my american girlfriend who loves it and yeah it's it's i think it's it's enjoyed with about the same sentiment as it's enjoyed in in the in the US people are really like in the market for that kind of drama kind of like gritty prestige family you know chaos and stuff um and i think they definitely see it as like very detached from like the day-to-day goings on of like the actual royal family um I don't know. I think I can't say that much. I can't talk about it with any kind of expert opinion about the royal family, but I will say that I get asked about it far more in the US than I ever felt that I had to consider it in the UK. You know, they occupy a very unique position in our like country and in our history. Um, but I will say I'm probably team Harry and Meghan. Those guys are great. Uh he just he ran off with his love to his American girlfriend to America. I've done pretty much the same thing. <laughs> I met my American girlfriend and I got out of dodge and came to DC <laughs> to do my MBA uh so I can empathize but yeah it's all love that's the ultimate power move i guess for brits to just book it to the states i know and then wonder why on earth we did that <laughs> when the when, <laughs> when uh when the when the capital gets sieged and <laughs> we wonder what 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 are we really doing here just kidding i find it fascinating and i'm excited to get into the current version of the royal family in season 4 or 5 whatever the most recent uh season is and so yeah bring up dc we were obviously students at mcdonough school of business at, at georgetown university and we are joined by some esteemed colleagues here we are celebrating women's month and i'd like to welcome in um eli batina and lian pinto two second year students Say hello Ellie and Leanne. Welcome. Hello. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. Hey guys. Nice to be on. Yeah, thanks for being here. 
I really appreciate it. You guys are the first roundtable guests, and I like to kick it off. Uh, so we just finished the ILE week for first years, and you guys, second years, finished your global business experience, although it wasn't very global. I just wanted to hear how that went and get your thoughts on it. Yeah, so obviously not in Spain, uh, in DC, in our apartment, sort of virtually logging into sessions. Starting with the positives, our client, uh, at least my client has been amazing. They've been super supportive, have given a lot of guidance, want to speak to us every week. Uh, so it's really felt like a consulting project and a global one at that. I have an awesome team, awesome client, so I'm feeling pretty happy. How about for you, Ellie? What was your GB experience like? It has been, um, on the one side, pretty sad because I'm not in Brazil, my project is there. But also my team is amazing. This week we have heard from CEOs from different countries. We got, uh, we also got to cook and with a chef, some recipes like ceviche from Brazil, caipirinhas. So it was pretty great. I, I know like we really had a great time. Does it go beyond this week? I, I, I have no idea. Is it just one week or does it last throughout the semester? Like the GBE, it's, uh, like the projects are for the whole semester, but the GBE intense week where we get to know about like different countries and all this stuff, it's only one week this week. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. How, how'd you guys choose Ellie, Brazil and Leanne, Spain? Why'd you choose those countries? So I kind of went more with the industry and the project that interested me most, uh, especially since we're virtual, I guess like the you know, we're not going to go to the country. Uh, So I just went with what project interested me the most. So I picked my client is Technicas Reunidas, which is an oil and gas EPNC that's hoping to make the transition into renewable energy, which was a pretty exciting problem statement for me. I'm very passionate about the space. And that's how I sort of landed up with my project. But curious to hear, Ellie, what was your thought processes? Yeah, my criteria was also because the project and the company. I have a financial background, but this project is completely marketing. And into a CPG company that's uh, interested in coffee business. So for me, it was like the last time before I get into the, like, return to finance to have like this opportunity and know more about marketing and like uh, new to market strategy. Oh, well, I wanted to ask you guys, you know, if you could expand a bit on your backgrounds and, you know, talk about how the ILE and how the Georgetown experience has kind of helped you think about where you've come from and informed a bit more about where you're going afterwards. Maybe, yeah, maybe Ellie, if you could, you know, you've talked about your finance background and how marketing now was kind of a new exciting area. You could talk us talk to us a little bit about that. That'd be awesome. Yeah, sure. I have a five-year experience in uh, finance. I've always been like actually I study engineering in design. And after I finished my career, I was like, I don't want to do Photoshop, Illustrate, all of that stuff. I knew I didn't want it. It was like so much for me. So I went. I pivoted into the finance industry, and there I found my place. Especially before coming, I was working in anti-money laundering and it was so interesting in like sadly in Mexico there is so much narcos and all that stuff so I want to know all about that Ellie (laughs) that's fascinating to me I know it was pretty fascinating um we analyze different customer behaviors and identify patterns so see like how we can come up with strategies to prevent money laundering in different especially in the north part of Mexico and yeah, after that, I decided I want to learn more and 
um, like pivot into a more like a globalized industry or like still finance, but more like globally. And then I applied to Georgetown and yeah, like after that, I'm like returning to finance, still deciding maybe IB or compliance. Nice. Gosh, awesome. <laughs> and Leanne, how about yourself? Yeah, my background before business school was not exactly linear. I actually, um, you know, out of my undergrad and I'd done an earlier master's immediately after I went into consulting, which I thought was a great first experience into the corporate world, because in consulting, you're working on new projects with new clients all the time. And every day is a new problem, is a new industry. So it, it kind of made me very quick at like picking up complex industries and complex projects overnight. And then I think around one year before business school, I started to reflect on like, what would be a meaningful career to me and where can I create impact? So I was debating between healthcare and clean energy. Before business school, I spent a year at a healthcare company trying to help them define their market entry strategy into China and into Japan. I mean, every day that we were planning the market entry strategy, China would like change a regulation and our whole project would change. Uh, so it was challenging in its own right. And I had a fantastic learning experience uh, there as well. But I think through that experience and, you know, my first year of my MBA, I started to talk to more people and I realized actually that I was more interested in clean energy. So really use my MBA experience to pivot into clean energy. And I think it's just an industry that's so ripe uh, with innovation, uh, so ripe for innovation. And that really attracts me. I think I come from uh, my family, they're fairly entrepreneurial, so always looking for new ideas and new things. So so energy for me represented that, like something that there's a very clear need uh, for a new business model to really change the way the world works. And the second thing I think that interested me about energy is like, it's a complex problem. It's an extremely regulated industry. There are so many players. It affects every segment of the way uh, our world works. And so I really like appreciated the, the challenge. And I think with my internship, and now I'm going into an energy-focused investment bank, it really sort of gives me the opportunity to apply whatever I've learned in my MBA, but to this problem that I find so meaningful and so deep. We're almost in April, nearing the last couple months of, of your guys' time here at MSB. Leanne, you know where you're going. Ellie, it sounds like you're up in the air. Can you reflect on what has happened the last year for us? And, and I just want to you know hear your thoughts on where you are now compared to where you started the program and then what your plans are for post-graduation. Sure. I think for our class, it was really hard. We were, the first semester for us was, we were pretty happy learning in person. We couldn't imagine that a pandemic was coming. We were like, it was one of the best times of my life. I remember Dean Paul Almeida coming to the classroom and saying like, hey, get out to the from the building right now. You know, like you cannot finish the class. This is an emergency. So like, you know, it was our last day on campus um, back then. And they, at the beginning, it was pretty hard to engage into these, like also like for the professor and classmates, everyone like from one day to another one. From Thursday to Friday, we were like having class, Zoom classes, like not even prepared. It was super hard to do that, you know, that transition. So yeah, like it has been hard, but right now I think we are in a point that 
we already have built all these great friendships and relationships with everyone. I'm still deciding if I'm going to New York at Citibank or or back to Mexico at Citi. Um, like negotiating which office I'll be on, but still I'm pretty excited for the future and trying to live this new normality. That was awesome, Ali. I think you kind of captured our, our year in a glance. It wasn't what anyone expected. I remember, Mike, like last year I was in your position. I was you know, VP of careers. And right up about this time last year, when the pandemic hit, like students' offers were getting rescinded, especially the hospitality sector. We had Prashant and Dean Doreen, who uh, launched the Hoyas Helping Hoyas and, you know, tried to get an alumni to get our students' internships. So I think it was a lot of anxiety at, at that point. I think I really appreciate the sort of how far we've come, like how, how far our batch has come in terms of navigating not just the career search, but, but the classroom. And I think student leadership at a time like a pandemic has so much more meaning because it's really up to you to keep the community alive. And that's something I really appreciated. I think our batch um, and, and your batch have done such a fantastic job in terms of curating these amazing virtual events. You're doing a podcast, so kudos to you. Uh, and I think that really um, kept us engaged, at least for the first part of the pandemic. But no, I think it all worked out well. I definitely was aware of the challenge ahead of me because I was full-time recruiting this fall, which meant I was recruiting in a pandemic. And I, I decided to pivot into renewable energy-focused investment banking. So that's a whole other picture because I hadn't recruited for my first year for investment banking. But I really appreciate two um, people. The first uh, group of people is like the women in investment banking at the companies that I spoke to they really demystified investment banking and made it something that's accessible uh, for me to understand and really encouraged me to apply uh, and, and sort of validated my passion for energy and why it's important for uh, an energy-focused investment bank. So I wouldn't have applied if it weren't for those women. And the second people who really made me successful, the second set of people were our peer advisors uh, who I lent on for technical interviews. Like I had no finance background. Everything I know was taught by Professor Pinkowitz and Professor Comer. So they literally like three weeks before my first interview, I was like, guys, I know nothing. You guys are gonna have to coach me and like shout out to Matt Dyer, Sam Sadehi, Tasman. They literally like, I did like two or three interviews with them each in a span of like two to three weeks. and. And they really helped me and brushed me up to a standard where I think, um, you know, I did I did a good enough job in, in my interviews and, and really landed up being successful in exactly the career that I wanted. That is excellent, guys. Thanks so much for sharing those reflections. So you guys are actually good friends. I wanted to dive into the backstory a little bit. Can you share how and when you guys connected? Yes. <laughs> okay, so let me remember when we were first met. Do you remember? I, I was thinking through this today. I think it was GWIP conference for in our first year. And I remember like Ellie came up to me and we were chatting and I was on the admissions team that year. And she was like, hey, Leah, like, how did you get involved in GWIB? Uh, you know, I would really love to be a part of it. Like, fast forward a year, like, she was the president of GWIB. <laughs> uh, so I, I definitely remember, uh, I totally remember that first interaction. And Ellie and Erica have done such a great job as GWIB presidents. Uh, it was just funny that that was our first conversation. Yeah, now I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I came and I asked. And I remember also because Leanne, you know, like stands in a room because she has such a great accent and a voice. 
So I think like I've spoke to many people and they're like, I love Leanne's voice. I'm like, me too. Like, I, yeah, you have a great voice. I feel like this month we got closer because of financial modeling. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Every like at, at like 10 p.m. the night before our assignment was due, we were like both of us were busy on WhatsApp, like literally sending screenshots of our models and like texting ourselves and being like, what's your formula for this? And what's your formula for that? Exactly. So, yeah, we were like at midnight, you know, like saying like, hey, Leanne, why my CAPM didn't work or my, you know, <laughs> my whack. But yeah, you're right. Oh God, the whack. <laughs> I forgot about whack. <laughs> Wait, you you guys are much closer to whack than we are. Well, I've, I've shut whack and a lot of, <laughs> a lot of other finance <laughs> topics in a drawer put it away <laughs> try to try to forget about it i just i wanted to say it's so nice to hear you guys talk about your friendship and your experiences and specifically you know for me anyone i've ever spoken to in our year who's had anything to do with Gwib has had nothing but like amazing things to say about it i think it's so true that it like this year especially since the pandemic it's so important to have platforms and organizations which transcend cohort which transcend year and this one i think especially Gwib, like people love it i think it's really made huge difference as i said anyone who's involved with it it's really made a difference in their like their lives really piggybacking off of that can you talk about your time as Gwib co-president and what you're most proud of and how you've set them up for success there were 13 amazing leaders kirby mitanshi rohan like so many people that we're so passionate about women, gender uh, inequity issues. So it was amazing. It was like super easy really to be surrounded to so many people that think and are so passionate about this. And I remember I started being interested in WIB firstly because like my first days at, at McDonough, it was so hard to me first because of the language barrier. For me, I had like that first week, I remember, I had headaches every day of trying to translate everything in English to Spanish and vice versa, you know? Like for me, it was pretty hard. So I remember like after school ended, uh, coming you know, like in the day to my house and I wanted to speak Spanish. I've always been like pretty outspoken, but for me, it was like hard participating where everyone was like so fluent. And I was like, no, like I want to say an idea, but first, is it like, does it sound like grammatically correct or not? You know, like all that stuff was running through my mind. I was like, people here are super smart. I remember I went to a Gweev, um, at that time there were second years hosting a Gweev event and they started talking about imposter syndrome. And I didn't know first uh, how to call it, but I was actually experiencing that, you know, like I, I was like, I don't belong here. Like, you know, like I work and I, I earn this, I know, but like, I don't know, like, I feel like an outsider here. And so, like, that was the first time I saw Gweeb as a community. And I was, like, completely into it. And I didn't know I wanted to run for co-president. And also, I had, a, like, some doubts of, like, co-president. Such a big deal. It's a 300, like, plus members group. So, but yeah, it was great. It was so easy, as I, as I was saying, with uh, an amazing board and leaders. And so that is why, like, I like run into and like run for co-president for Gweeb. I come from uh, like a, a multicultural family. My, my dad is Croatian, my mom is from Mexico. I have two more sisters. So we're like four women in a house. And my, like my parents have always pushed me and tried to, to make me an independent woman, self-spoken. 
But like I always grew with such confidence and, you know, my parents were always telling me to dream big. Um, we were also like moving from di to different cities. I was born in Germany. Then we went to Japan to live for a while, then Mexico, Australia, and then here. And after being exposed to that many countries and cultures, and especially in Mexico, where I initiated my uh, working life, I get to know like the machismo culture that I wasn't aware in my childhood, but like mostly when I enter workspace and after I got exposed to different like bosses and like, uh, like mostly men being the only women in the room. Like, um, so that is why, that is when I was started to be, like become passionate about like why my abilities play second and my gender plays first, or is the first thing that they notice, you know? And like for me, we has been like a great opportunity to try to make an impact. Leanne, how about you? Similar to Ellie, my eyes kind of opened in the workplace. So I was at a consulting firm where at the associate level or um, consultant level, which is the level that I was at, um, the male to female distribution was like 50-50. And then I looked up at the partner level and it was like one female and 10 males. And I was like, that there's something like what's happening here. And then also saw a lot of my managers uh, above me who were female leave because in consulting, you know, the, you're on the road a lot, like lifestyle choices become a little more tricky between family and, and work. And I think that's when my eyes um, really open. And I hate to say this, but I think it opened even more in business school when I, when it's not 50, 50 anymore. Like if you look around at MSB, it's actually 70, 30. And I think that drop off should sort of tell you something about the, um, the, the world that we live in today, which I think is that women uh, who want leadership positions uh, don't necessarily need to follow the same path as, as men have, but need different types of support and different uh, resources. So which is, I think like forums like GWIB are so important. Um, personally, uh, you know, if I could just speak to uh, being a woman and now finance and, and energy, there was this uh, association that I was part of this year, which was called Women in Renewable Energy, which was like a association across uh, the US, which I thought was fascinating because it really pairs up women from like all these different backgrounds, like women who are architects, women who are policymakers, and then women like me who are interested in business. And I think it's interesting because uh, you just see like um, the common themes that women face across all of these sectors. So I think like, the few things that I've learned, uh, maybe, or that I would like to keep in mind, uh, you know, as as a leader and, and going forward is one is I stand on the back of all the women who've supported me, especially like, uh, you know, the, the organization that I spoke about, all the women who I spoke about in investment banking encouraged me to apply. Um, but I think also, um, I think it's important to also like make women like gun for roles that they think are too challenging or maybe slightly out of reach. Um, and and it, it, it's not just in the workplace, like even in class, uh, I've realized, you know, there have been many times where I've been like, oh, I, you know, I shouldn't say that point. This is, this is a dumb point. And then like two minutes later, someone else has a point. I'm like, was it? I think that was not a dumb point. I maybe should have said it like five minutes earlier when I thought about it. Um, so it's just like confidently raising your hand 
and, and being confident and, and making other women uh, feel more confident to actually to actually reach for positions or reach for opportunities that they wouldn't de- deem possible. That's awesome. You know, I've got I've got two. I'm the eldest of three. I've got two younger sisters. They're both pursuing different careers. One's in uh, corporate law and one's in journalism. And you know, they're like they're like my best friends. And I hear some of the stuff they have to deal with in the workplace very much echoes what you guys have said. And you know, to think that. You know, if they could benefit from an organization such as Quib or all of the others that there are in higher education and beyond in the workplace, uh, badly needed and, and uh, super supportive. So it's, uh, it's so good to hear uh, your stories um, about that. How much can Quib impact that with the program office? And so like, yeah, for us, it was like a struggle to, to try to understand where we lose women like in this journey. And... We have like some meetings with the admission office and under- try to understand where are we losing these women or why uh, the ones that apply didn't come at the end in the process. And one of the reasons we saw it was um, like the financing option. So like, you know, scholarships and all that stuff. So what we did last year was get into meetings with Dean Prashant and try to launch a scholarship within Guive for candidates like both men and women who were interested in gender uh, inequality issues. So yeah, like we tried to solve this and like, you know, like we need more money from alumni and from like donations to try to get these scholarships uh, for more women to apply and for more more men allies, you know. But yeah, it's a hard topic. Like it was at the beginning, it was so frustrating. Uh, we recommended so many candidates and at the end, um, we couldn't do much because it's, uh, I know that the school has uh, certain criteria, certain like grades and, and levels that they need to, they need to meet, but still it's, it's hard to, to know that we are not, not like equal 50% and 50% of men and women in the class. It's definitely a tricky topic, and I know that after going through my ILE week in AI, analytics, and the future of work, Dean Malavia and the admissions team, they're constantly working and striving for an equal representation in the student body. Now I want to pivot here, and I'd be remiss if I didn't follow up on this. Leanne, you were my predecessor as the VP of career, and I just wanted to thank you. You did a hell of a job coaching me up and getting me ready for prime time. You didn't need any help, Mike. You're doing, you're doing awesome. You studied in London, did you not? I did. I wanted to learn more about that. So, how did you get? How did you get from India to London, and and what brought you there, and and where where were you? What did yeah. you do there? Uh, so, I actually had a three-year undergraduate degree in economics. So the option was really to join the workforce. Um, and then I also had the option, uh, very grateful for it, to do a master's abroad um, at LSE, uh, the London School of Economics. I was debating this decision and I was like, oh, I don't know, you know, it's a one-year master's. Am I going to get too much out of it? Um, and then realized I was being silly. Uh, you know, also, I like never really left India before at that time. Uh, so, you know, had a consult with my parents so they were like yeah you know tell us you can't go wrong um so i did it and i decided to spend the one year in london and honestly it was like one of the best experiences of my life because um i think it was my first exposure to diversity i think i lived so i lived in this flatmate with like a, a brazilian 
someone from Hong Kong, um, someone from China, someone from Bulgaria, and that was me. And I was just like mind blown with this level of diversity. Um, I just never met people from, like my best friend was from Mongolia, a country, very honestly, I had not heard much about before. Uh, so I was just, I think that was my first like, like eye-opening moment in life that there's just so much more to see and so much more to experience. And then the second thing is, I think before my experience in London, I was like not very ambitious, um, very different to the person I am today. But I didn't really have too many like goals in life. I was kind of a late bloomer and sort of went to LSC and I was like, similarly, this probably sounds dumb, but I was like, oh my God, there are so many smart people and they're raising like such good points. And, you know, even my professors, like there's, they, they would speak about all these challenges. Like I remember in our financial system, uh, the challenge that spoke to me most was like the climate change challenge. Um, and I remember one of our professors saying, do you know in like 10 years, the Arctic will be completely navigable or something like that. And I was like, this is insane. Uh, and then he delved deep into the politics and the economics behind it. And so it sounds maybe not, maybe too basic, but I just had not had that kind of intellectual exposure before. And like, I hadn't had someone show me like the problems in the world and like what's possible. Um, so that I really like credit that to the institution that is the London School of Economics, but also to my experience just meeting and talking to new people and people different from me uh, that I wouldn't have had the opportunity to, to do so as well. London is an extremely diverse and awesome place. Yeah, and I'm, I was born and raised in Clapham. So oh really my god, Clapham. I love Clapham. Yeah. yeah, I went I went to school on the Nightingale Lane. Uh, so yeah, just off just off Wandsworth Common. Yes. It was really lovely to hear you talk about how much fun you had there. Uh, where were you living? I was living in Barrow Market. I don't know if y'all have watched uh, what is it? The movie with Renee Zellweger, Bridget Jones' Diary. Yeah. Yeah. So I live there and Barrow Market. Honestly, I gained like 20 pounds in London because I used to go to Barrow Market like every day and just eat. Uh, it was it was amazing. I had the best coffee, the best food, and uh, yeah, it was so charming. I I miss London. I haven't gone back. So I, I before I moved to DC, I was living in a house in in Kennington with my two sisters. <laughs> And nice. um, we were like, a, I was like a 10 minute cycle from Borough Market and my sister, uh, she, well, she used to play in a band, she doesn't anymore, but she used to play open mic nights on a weekly basis at a pub. Yeah. Which, wow. which year were you there, Leanne? Uh, 2013. 2013, yeah. Yeah. So she would have been, she would have been playing, uh, playing there then as well. So, yeah. Nice. That's so exciting. That's such a small world. I can't believe you guys could have crossed paths back in 2013. Uh, now I want to pivot to Ellie and ask you about some of your interests and your undergraduate experience in Mexico before coming to DC. I really love engineering and I like this undergraduate undergraduate was focused on like industrial engineering and also into design that I am like super creative I really love that part of like I don't know like all my life I've, I've been painting on canvas and uh, like all this creativity side I, I also wanted to use it so like I find this career um, relatively new I'm like the fourth generation that uh, at that time that graduated and uh, it was pretty cool uh, because I also had like an international experience I went to Australia for six months I don't remember why I chose Australia I, like I in my mind I was like I'm young I'm alive I want to go to Australia I don't know even like anything about that country 
I only knew that it was super far and it like it had like deadly animals and like all the like deadly species are there. I was like, I want to explore, I want to go there, I'm adventurous. So yeah, I ended up going and as Leanne said, it was also like for me an eye-opening experience of going there. It was a 13-hour difference, so I couldn't talk like much with my family or friends back like back in Mexico. And it was great. Like I, I also live with a Brazilian guy, a guy from uh, Hong Kong, uh, to like an Australian guy and a Peruvian girl. And it was great. Also, was my first experience living with guys. You know, all of my life was like women, sisters, and I was like, oh my god. And they were like, you know, uh, I, I don't know. I was so shy, and they were like in boxers or like running in the house. And I was like, oh my god, why are you? What is happening? <laughs> And yeah, like for me, it was pretty great to, I think like at that moment, I knew I was like completely independent and like all the life choices that you make and you learn a lot and keep learning about myself and about like so much about the people, different backgrounds, uh, cultural backgrounds. It, it was amazing that experience. Yeah, I've traveled extensively, not to Australia though. I know people who have studied in Australia too and absolutely loved it my parents met in sydney actually nice yeah well one of them was with someone else at the time but it all worked out for me. <laughs> <laughs> i think that's what australia does to people right <laughs> i think like like you ellie i'm definitely drawn to like places that are just miles and miles away like completely out of any frame of reference i think it's like a, a life-changing experience like you should experience it one once in your life ellie now switching gears completely you touched on at citibank how you were one of the only women working in the workplace. I was just curious if if you notice any differences between how men and women were treated early on in your life. Like I don't like remember clearly, you know, because I was so young, but my parents uh have told me like that stories, you know, like they were always like also in terms of like competitions or races that they were doing, you know, or sports always men needed to win and at one time um there was like a school competition on a saturday and like all the parents were cheering and i remember it was like a bicycle like a bike trail and that we were all in a line and then they were like one two three go and all the guys were like rushing but they were like like going too fast that they fall from their bikes and i was going so slow you know like <laughs> Uh, one foot at a time in the bike and at the end I won the competition and my parents were like what what just happened you know like all boys crying on the floor and I was like going still happy without like and my parents were shouting like faster faster you know like everybody was like what is happening and I like keep going so slow but, and, and ended up winning you know my dad loves that story <laughs> that's the tortoise and the hare coming to life yeah. I, I have one similar story Ellie where I used to swim when I was younger so there was like a race in first grade and we all jumped into the pool and you know the coach was like on your marks get set go and I like swam full-blown like I was trained to swim I suddenly I realized that there was no one to my left and no one to my right. So I literally stopped mid-race, like turned around to see where everyone was, realized, oh, they're still behind, like I can swim. And I swam and I touched the finish line. And my mom was like, 
why did you stop midway in the race i was like no i wanted to see where everyone was and she was exactly. like no you just swim till you reach the finish line <laughs> like don't stop and like look for other people and it was so funny i still landed up winning those are two great life lessons one steady as she goes wins the race and keep going don't look back you know just leave them in your dust i like it and leanne you went to a jesuit university right yeah yeah i did uh love the jesuit did that have any tie-ins to choosing georgetown yeah i want to say that uh my college back in india was like passionate about different social causes they were also like the mission of service is super important to the jesuits um and so as part of our syllabus uh we had to do uh like work with an ngo uh in uh, mumbai where i was at and work with them for a whole year um like if you didn't do that they would fail you first year straight um and i think that just like speaks to the jesuit values of service and i think uh, you you had asked me mike also about like growing up in india and i think in india you sometimes you know you at least in mumbai like you pass by slums every day i hate to say this but after a while it it becomes a way of life like you see poverty all, ar- all around you you see it every day um so i think like what our institution did which actually made us like go into the slums and like work literally like twice or thrice a week for a year uh really changed how my my world view and how i like look at the world um the second thing also i i liked a lot about zavios and this was maybe the nerd in me but uh people like the the jesuits were really focused on uh on education and like our college had like the highest attendance requirement in india which means like you have to attend like at least 70% of your classes or again they fail you they fail you like so um and our our professors were super passionate i remember like my favorite professor at zavios was like this guy who taught development economics and made us like uh interview street vendors and like study the economics of their business and so i think the whole the whole ecosystem that i grew up in was driven in service through service and like academic subjects but i really came to georgetown to get like um, an academic understanding of business as well whether it's accounting or finance or marketing and i think georgetown did a great job of that one of the things i was reflecting upon like in the last year was that actually most of my favorite classes were the quant classes and i'm not someone who is great at quant i just it's just classes where i felt i learned the most and i genuinely think like some of the georgetown faculty in those in those classes really make you do the hard work and i just just some um, i i do love the jesuits i i think that's really shaped who i am lian that's so cool to hear some of your reflections now uh, looking to ellie is it true that when you worked in anti money laundering that you were solely responsible for taking down el chapo The analysts used to work on like looking all the transactions and the customers and then after doing that we like a strategist could see like the patterns and and decide like hey okay so first we will limit these accounts so they will not withdraw so much like millions a day and then we will place a limit at the ATMs or at the you know like at the branches uh like that stuff but like in terms of like exactly like names like of of any like dangerous accounts or anti money laundering no like i didn't um do that damn i thought i was talking to a celebrity 
Leanne, can you share more with us about the energy innovation reform, what that was all about, what you guys found out, and whether or not clean and renewable energy is actually going to take hold? Yeah, so I think the energy innovation reform was one of the really cool things about being in business school. Uh, You know, it was my second year and I needed some energy experience in my resume. And I was like, oh, energy policy is a really big part about energy. Uh, And I'm in DC, which is like the best place to do any sort of policy work. Uh, So the organization that I worked for does a lot of advocacy and thought leadership for energy and advises the government really. So what I looked into was energy partnerships between the US and different countries across Asia Pacific. So I looked at energy partnerships between the US and Japan and US and India. Eventually he landed up using the stuff that I worked on to inform like Biden's energy strategy in the Asia Pacific. So I think that's just like the cool thing about being in DC. But I think like I would really encourage like second years to kind of look outside of Georgetown and like in the environment that we're around uh, in DC and and see what opportunities are there. Because I think this is the only time in business school where you have some time to just do things that interest you outside of, of campus and take advantage of like the location that you're in. And I think if you ask me about my thoughts on clean energy, it's definitely something that's here to stay. And obviously I can give you a long spiel about it. Uh, the way I would think about it more from like, if I was a student thinking about like a, a career, because I, I genuinely find that to be most relevant for the MBA population, is I think in a pandemic, you like take a look at the world around you. And I think people really want a world that's not only more uh, equitable, a world that's more just, a world that's more socially responsible. And I think if you look at the sectors in particular that have been changing the most, it's sectors of impact. It's like healthcare, it's it's energy, it's, you know, these sectors which are really, um, they really impact human life a lot um, that are just, that just need to be rethought. And I think a lot of things happened this year, whether it's the Tesla stock price, uh, whether uh, you know it's just the, the knowledge that climate change is real because of the California bushfires, um, whether it's Biden who just got elected and is like, I'm gonna put uh, X number of chargers on the road uh, and has some real tangible goals uh, to, to combat climate change. I think there are a lot of things that influence this sector this year, but I think The most interesting thing to me is the technology is there. It does not need to be invented. The costs are low. Um, So everything that we need, like the pieces of the puzzle are there. It's right now, the question is just how do we deploy renewable energy uh, at scale and do it fast enough so that we're able to really not really stay below that two degrees Celsius mark that is really- So that we still have a planet in 20, 30 years? I mean, it's an existential threat. It's a hard problem. It's going to take 50 years to solve, not 20. Uh, but I believe it can be done. And I just, uh, you know, my, my wish for like uh, my classmates and, and people listening to this podcast is, you know, go into these industries that have the potential to like change the world and and uh, really use your MBA skill sets there. And I know that's a selfish pitch, but uh, that's definitely a Georgetown pitch uh, because we're so focused on impact and, and service. Well, you guys, two excellent examples of powerful, smart, driven women. And I think you guys are going to do great things. And I really thank you for taking your time to share some of your stories and take part in Women's Month in a way that I'd like to share and publicize and and honor it. So thanks again for your time and 
we will catch you later here on McDonough Talks. Thank you, Mike. This was a great opportunity. Thank you.